Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Well, it is good to see everybody. So glad you guys are here on site and everybody joining us online as well. Are you guys excited for worship today? Excited for worship. Uh, This is a, man, this has been a great weekend. This has been a great weekend. Uh, My daughter, Evelyn, my, my middle child, Evelyn Joy, she turned six this weekend, very happy. My little, you know, her little pride and joy, our little Evelyn, she, she turned six. It's made it a great weekend. Um, we have, can I tell you, we had incredible baptisms during the first service. We got more this service. We have about 20 people getting baptized this weekend. Isn't that incredible? 20 people, just amazing, amazing. But let me tell you, the things that are making this weekend great, um, yes to the baptisms and the life change that that represents, Yes, to my daughter's birthday, but let me tell you, there's one thing that stands head and shoulders above everything else that's just making this weekend just for me. Uh, I found out Taco Bell is bringing back the Mexican pizza. Can we praise God in this house today for our faithful provider, God? Uh, some people in here are like, this guy, is, he should not be a pastor. He should not be a pastor. Um, no, very, very exciting. Uh, mark your calendars, May 19th. You heard it here first. The Mexican pizza is back. Uh, (laughs) But for real, for real, very excited about this weekend. We are in the final week of our series, Help, I'm Losing My Religion. I got to tell you, I've heard so many incredible stories the last couple weeks talking to people after the sermons, how they're like, man, this is me. This is where I've been. This is what I've been going through, the doubts I've had, the questions I've had um, the experiences I've been through. So it's been awesome to hear that this sermon series has really connected with people. If you've missed any of these weeks, man, I can't encourage you enough to go on our website, cornerstonechurch.info, catch up with where we are today. If you have missed, I'm just going to give a real quick recap of where we've been. So obviously this whole series, we're talking about deconstruction. We're talking about, you know, the, the, this thing that's happening where so many people, especially young people, just leaving the faith just completely abandoning their faith. Um, And what we talked about week one is um, that we kind of all have these moments when the faith that we knew isn't true. Maybe it's the faith that you grew up with. It's the faith that you got in Sunday school, and it was this very elementary faith, but then as you grew up, your faith didn't, and you had a moment that rocked you to your core. Maybe you lost a loved one. You lost a job. You lost a relationship. Something happened, and it caused you to have this crisis of faith where the faith that you knew turned out to not be true because it was built on a shaky foundation. And for a lot of people, whatever their relationship with God is built on an uh, unstable foundation, things can knock it off course pretty easily. And that's what we looked at the last two weeks. So week one, we did this introduction to deconstruction. Weeks two and three, we looked at the two biggest drivers that when we have an unstable foundation for our faith can just tip it over like that. And the two biggest drivers for deconstructions are things that you wouldn't guess. Um, Number one, this is what we looked at week two, is this. This is a huge driver for deconstruction, the Bible. (laughs) So many people, we tell them, man, if you just read the Bible, you wouldn't have lost your faith in God. And people are like, that's the problem. I did. Like, I I did read it. And that's what caused me to question. That's what caused me to have doubts because there were so many things in here that I couldn't reconcile, that it just didn't make sense to me. And that's what we looked at week two, how we can reconcile those things, what we can see 
uh, about Scripture and the doubts that we may have with it. And then last week, we looked at the other big driver of deconstruction, which turn to somebody next to you, look at them real quick, give them a wave, give them a wave. I'm looking at everybody online waving. Um, You just waved at one of the biggest drivers of deconstruction. (laughs) The church, us. Like, (laughs) we, we hurt the witness of Jesus in immeasurable ways over the years and over the centuries and over the millennia. The church has done so much to hurt our witness in the world, and we need to admit that. We talked about last week that we're looking for the killer. Who's killing our faith? It's like, man, the call's coming from inside the house. Like, we think it's out here. We think, oh, it's the culture doing this to our children. It's like, well, kind of us. <laughs> we're we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot over and over and over again. We're one of the biggest harms to the witness of Jesus in the world, and we cause people to deconstruct, to doubt, to lose faith. Now, the thing that is really heartbreaking as we've walked through all of this these last three weeks is that so many people who have walked that path, they had an unstable faith, like an unstable foundation, and then maybe they've had stuff in Scripture that's been hard for them to reconcile, and then they've experienced church hurt, right? People who have claimed the name of Christ have hurt them in just terrible, terrible ways. So many people, sadly, just stop there. They're like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I, I, I didn't have the greatest foundation of faith to begin with, and then I have these doubts, and they're not being validated. I'm not allowed to have them. I'm being told, hey, don't think about that. The Bible says it. That settles it. I've experienced church hurt, and people are going, oh, who cares? The church has done so much good. Who cares if someone hurt you? It doesn't matter. And you're just done. You're done. You're like, nope, my, my hurt's too big. My doubt's too big. And they leave the faith. And if that is you today, maybe there's people in here who that's your story and that's where you're at. Maybe there's people in here who that's not you, but you have friends who that's their story or family or kids who that's their story. Or, or maybe that is you, but you're putting on a really good face. Like you look like the great Christian. You're, you know, Hey man, hallelujah. Like you look like you got it all together, but you got some pretty big doubts and you're questioning a lot of stuff. And you're like, honestly, I'm a Christian in name only right now. I'm a Christian, I'm, I'm a believer, because if I said I wasn't, it would cause too big of an upheaval in my family. I just don't even want to go through it, but really, I'm having some very big doubts. If that's you, this is what I want to tell you today, and I can't say this enough. Please, please, please don't stop at your doubts. Don't just stop with your doubts. Week one, we said, hey, there is no problem with doubts about faith. In fact, doubt can be a doorway to faith. Doubt and faith are not opposites. Doubt, or uh, faith and certainty are opposites, right? Doubt, doubt is a doorway to faith. It can be a doorway to a deeper faith, but only if you keep pushing through. If you just stop at your doubt, you're going to die. Your faith is going to die. Don't stop at doubt because deconstruction without a new build is just destruction, right? Like if you just deconstruct and you never have any intention of building something back up after that process, that's just destruction, <laughs> just demolition. I mean, really think about it. Let's break down that word real quick, okay? Deconstruction, deconstruction. Um, the, the middle part of that word, C-O-N, con, that is actually a word form element, C-O-N. We use that combination of letters, C-O-N, to build words, We'll take two words or uh, the, the prefix of a word and another word, and we use it to build words. It's a building word element. And so whenever we take the C-O-N out of deconstruction, we take that building block element out, what's left? Destruction. That's it. That's all that's left because you've taken the building element out of it. And the same thing is true with faith. If you take the building element out of it, 
out of the deconstruction process. You take it out and you're like, no, I'm not going to build anything back up. I'm just going to doubt and doubt and question and question. And it's just going to lead me to a place where I have no faith left and no intention on ever building it back. That's not deconstruction. That's destruction. You're just, you're just completely, utterly, utterly leaving the faith. Do not do that. I cannot stress that enough. Don't stop at doubt because when you stop at doubt, you start to settle. You settle for a less than life. You settle for less than what God had intended for you. And what's so heartbreaking about it is generally just on the other side of your doubt is breakthrough. The stuff you've been looking for, the, the, the change that you've been looking for, the confidence you've been looking for, the hope you've been looking for. It's like almost always just on the other side of your doubts if you could just keep pushing through. But sadly, so many of us stop at our doubts, stop at our questions, stop at our hurt, and we don't push through to the other side. Man, don't settle for a life without faith. Don't stop. Can I tell you, I've seen what those lives look like and how they end. I've done those funerals. They're, there's no other word. They're tragic, man. They're tragic. Pastor Brenda can say the same thing. I've done those funerals for people who obviously, because of hurt in their past, or not being able to reconcile doubts in their past and being told, well, hell, you know what? The, the Bible says that that settles it. I don't care about your doubts. I've done funerals for those kind of people, and it is, it's terrible. Because you see these people who have lived a life without faith, and the family is grasping for straws as I meet with them the day before the funeral, trying to plan things out. And I'm like, can you tell me about them? What's, what stuff you would like to be remembered about them? What stuff that they really enjoyed? What, what kind of impact did they leave? And the family's like, ah. I mean, did you read the obituary? Maybe just that stuff. They like to fish. They, you know, they were really, you know, they were really good with like their hands. They were, you know, and that's it. <laughs> that's heartbreaking. That's what a life looks like when it stops at doubt, when it stops at hurt, and doesn't push through to the other side. That's what a life without faith looks like. Do not stop at doubt. Keep pushing. Not just because of the, like, oh, I don't want my life to be bad at the end. Like, I don't want you to just survive. I want you to thrive in life. And there's nothing more thriving than building your faith back up. There's nothing more thriving than building back after you have deconstructed, after you've dealt with your doubts. The building process is the most exciting process. I mean, think about it. We're in the middle of our Here and Now campaign here at Cornerstone. Like, we, I mean, look around the room. We need, a, we need a bigger facility, people. <laughs> like we're, we're running out of space. This is what first service looked like, too. We're running out of room. Like, we're running out of room. We need this new facility, so we're doing the Here and Now campaign, which, by the way, can I tell you, we're almost at $500,000 raised so far. How amazing is that? Half a million. Where we're at in the process right now, we are at, um, we're in the financing process. We're meeting with Union Bank out of Missouri. They're going over our financials to uh, uh, just review them before they would sign off on the loan. Um, so that's where we're at in the process. Once the loan comes through, things start to move a whole lot more quickly. Um, so that's where we're at right now. So just, just play this out with me. Let's just imagine this, okay? So let's say we get an email from Union Bank. Hey, can you guys talk? We want to go over some stuff. And we call them up on the phone. They're like, hey, you know, everything checks out. Your numbers look good. We're going to approve you for the loan. Funds will be dispersed on this day. And we're like, oh, my gosh, this is so exciting. So we go through with it. We contact construction team management, our contractors. Like, hey, we got the money. When are you ready to go? They're like, hey, we'll be here this day. We'll start doing demo. And we're like, this is incredible. This is awesome. Now, what if all of that happens? They come. They start doing demo. They're, they're knocking down some walls to get everything ready. They, they tear down walls. It looks crazy in here. And then they just leave. 
That's just it. And you guys come in the next Sunday and there's just big holes all over the place. You're like, are we going for like an open air auditorium? Like <laughs> open concept, it's all the rage right now. Um, there's just exposed walls, exposed wires, just drywall laying all over the place. You'd, you'd rightfully be like, well, what, what's going on? Why'd they leave? Aren't, aren't they going to build back? <laughs> like, are we gonna build something up in its place where all this destruction has happened? Yet so many of us leave our faith there. So many of us knock walls down, but never intend to build it back up. That's depressing. There's nothing invigorating about that. There's nothing inspiring about that. The, the, the thing that's invigorating, the thing that gives us life, the thing that gives us purpose is building, building back. Our consultants, you know what they told us whenever we were uh, meeting with them and they were talking about our building project? They're like, hey, you guys need to be ready for growth. Like, really be ready for it. Like, oh, we know. Whenever the building's done, like, we, we, we know we need to be ready for it. They're like, no, 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 not, not when the building's done. We'll, we'll tell you when the growth's going to happen. It's not going to happen when you start knocking down some walls. It's not going to happen whenever you're, like, doing all that. That's not, that, it won't happen then. But the second that new paint starts going up outside, the second a new sign goes up out there, the second new walls start going up, oh, you're going to start growing then. You need to be ready for it. And the reason we're going to start growing then is because walls going up, new builds happening is exciting. It's exhilarating. It's the funnest part of the whole process. If you ever watch any of those shows on HGTV where they are uh, just like demoing a house and getting ready to completely renovate it, right? Can like flip the house or anything like that. They always are jacked on demo day, right? Like they're all pumped for it. Like, yeah, it's demo day. We're going to just take a sledgehammer to every wall in here. Which, by the way, has anyone ever heard of Rage Room Akron? I want to go. I want to go so bad. It's a place where you just go and just beat the tar out of stuff. They got TVs, walls. You just go in there with sledgehammers and go to town. So if anyone's got some, like, rage they need to let out, Rage Room Akron's where you want to go. Um, There you go. You can tell people, if anyone asks what you guys talked about in church today, you can say, uh, rage room and Mexican pizzas. That's what our pastor <laughs> preached on today. Um, but see, the, the thing that makes Demo Day fun isn't Demo Day in and of itself. It's the fact that Demo Day signifies what's to come. That we're tearing down these old walls knowing that better, more beautiful ones are to come. That's what makes the demolition, the deconstruction process fun. That's what makes it exhilarating. Don't stop at your doubt. Don't stop at your deconstruction. Don't stop at just demolition. Build back. Rebuild your faith. And I'll tell you this. Don't rebuild your faith on the same janky foundation that caused your faith to fall in the first place. How crazy is that? How many people have I seen this happen where they walk away from faith, they come back and they walk back to the same kind of faith habits they had before, the same kind of faith they had before, and you're going, what what are you doing? Don't build on that same old faith. Don't build on that same old tradition. That, that fell short the first time through, I would even wager and follow me with this, don't even just say, you're, well, I'm just going to build on Scripture this time. Build on the best thing you can build on, which is this. I want to read to you from Colossians chapter 1. This is, this is what any faith that's going to last, any faith that's going to be worthwhile is going to be built on. It's going to be built on Jesus and who he is. This is what it says in Colossians 1.15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. 
For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Jesus Christ is who we build on. If you are rebuilding your religion, that's our title for today, Rebuilt Religion. If you are someone who is rebuilding your religion because of doubts that you've had, hurt you've had, or you just never really followed Jesus before. You've just been like, I didn't really have doubts or church hurt or anything like that. I just never actually really followed Jesus before. And you're making that step today, and you're like, okay, what do I rebuild my religion on? What's that supposed to look like? If that is you, and you're rebuilding your religion, you need to build on solid ground. Jesus. The centrality of Jesus is the solid ground that you build your faith on. Now, what does that mean? We, like, we, we have a lot of platitudes at church, don't we? We say things that sound good, and they preach good, but you may have no idea what it actually means. And so a pastor will say something like that, like, what you need to do is build your life on the solid ground of Jesus. And we're like, yeah, build on the solid ground of Jesus. And then whenever you go home, you're like, I don't really know what that means. <laughs> like, uh, what does it mean that Jesus is solid ground, that he's unchanging? Is that what it means? Like, what's it actually mean? So I want to unpack what I mean when I say build on the solid ground of Jesus, what it means that he is the solid ground. So before we build out here, because we're going to renovate our current facility, make it look a lot prettier, right? a lot more functional for us. But what we're also going to do is over here in this kind of, uh, you know, we have the auditorium and then the kids wing. In this kind of middle uh, area up here, we're going to add on to the kids wing in front of it. And then we're also going to build, we've been jokingly calling it our gymatorium, right? Like our, our big new worship center that's going to be a really nice gymnasium that will also serve dual purpose as our worship center, as our auditorium on uh, Saturdays and Sundays. And so as we get ready to do that, as we get ready to build, you want to know what's like the first thing they're going to do? Survey the land. It's like step one of this whole process. They are going to survey the land. They're going to come out with tools and measurements and equipment and they're going to be well-trained in what they're doing because they want to know as we get ready to lay down a foundation, as we get ready to build, they want to make sure that we are building on an accurate foundation, that they know what we're truly building on, that we're not building on some unclear, well, we don't really know what kind of soil it is over there. We don't really know what the, the rock is like over there, but uh, who, who cares? We'll just eyeball it. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just go with it. I'm sure it's fine. We don't really need to check this thing out. No, they're going to do their due diligence and they're going to survey the land and get clarity on our foundation. That is why we, as we get ready to build our faith, something as valuable as our faith, if, we're, if we are going to check the foundation because the new building is going to be so valuable, we don't want anything to happen, we want the foundation to be good, how much more so with your faith? How valuable is your faith? You better make sure that the foundation you are building your faith on is rock solid and clear and knowable. And that's Jesus. That's why he is the solid ground. Because in scripture, we talked about this week two of the series, in scripture, God was not clear until Jesus came. 
That's not even a controversial take. If you're like, oh, God wasn't clear. Not controversial, completely biblical. Read the Old Testament for yourself. You can see time and time again, we were getting glimpses and peeks through the veil at what God was truly like, but not an accurate description. Moses, for goodness sakes, was like, all I could see of God was his back. (laughs) I couldn't even look him in the face. I couldn't even gaze upon him or would have killed me. We had no idea what God was truly like. It was very unclear and it was very murky until Jesus came on the scene and everything changed. Suddenly, we had Christ, the visible image of the invisible God. We had Jesus, who God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. So suddenly, this God that seemed so unclear and so, uh, we're only getting glimpses, became completely, utterly, and fully known to us in the person of Jesus. Jesus is clear. That's why Jesus is the solid ground. That's why we build on him and nothing else. Just like I said, with the new facility, that's why we're going to make sure what we're building on is solid ground because it's valuable. Your faith is valuable. Make sure you're building on what you should be building on. Don't eyeball it. Don't, I guess this is good. You know, I'm just kind of building on the faith that my parents had and I'm just going to kind of, you know, get into heaven on their coattails, right? Just ride them through the pearly gates. Don't do that. Don't eyeball it. Anybody hang pictures in here and just kind of eyeball it? You never use a level or anything like that. Oh, you guys are liars. You guys are liars. You don't break out all that stuff. Yeah, right. My mom, how she did it, she was the worst at it. I love you, but she was the worst at it. So funny. How she would do it, she would eyeball it, and then whenever it was time to put the nail into the wall, wouldn't even grab a hammer. Just take the old shoe off, beat that sucker into the wall, and be like, there we go. Good enough. Hang the picture, right? By the way, we're not going to have Pastor Brenda assist in building the new building. She can pray. But if you see her walking towards the building with a hammer, just grab her and push her aside, right? Um, but we don't want to do that with our faith. We don't want to just eyeball it. We want to make sure we are building on a solid foundation, a foundation that is clear and knowable. And thank God that's Jesus. That's Jesus. He is that clear, knowable, solid ground. Jesus is so clear. And scripture gives us such a perfect picture of what he looks like. You see, as we're going through this design process and through the construction process, we're going to get two sets of plans, design plans and construction plans. Design plans are what you can see out in the lobby. Walk through these double doors, look at the wall on your right, and you'll see the beautiful building, what it's going to look like. Well, one of these days, hopefully very, very soon, whenever you're coming down Arlington Road, what you're going to see is you pull in to Cornerstone, and it looks gorgeous. And those are the design plans. They show you what it's supposed to look like when it's a finished product. Now, the other side of things are the construction plans. The construction plans are not pretty. They're very confusing sometimes, right? But the construction plans, what they are is they're the nuts and bolts. It outlines everything. It shows you, okay, this is where we need to run in electric. This is where we're going to put the outlets. This is where we're going to do the plumbing and the HVAC. This is where all of that kind of stuff goes. And so the construction plans are how the design plans come to be. The construction plans, if you follow those, the design plans, that's what it's going to eventually look like. And we see the same thing with Jesus. The person of Jesus, who he was, how he was, that's our design plans. That's what we're supposed to look like. That's the picture we're supposed to look at and go, yes, this is what my life needs to look like. This is how I need to treat people. This picture of self-sacrificing love, this is, this is what I need to aspire for. This is what I'm supposed to look like. 
And what's so great is Jesus doesn't just give us the design plans and then just leave us guessing how we get there. He gives us construction plans. We, we, we are given details on how to build that kind of life, of how to get where we're supposed to get. In fact, we, we make it so complicated, and it's really not. This is what Jesus gave us. These were his commands as he got ready to leave. Listen how clear, how noble, and how simple this is. This is Jesus' last words before he returns to the Father in Matthew 28. Starting in verse 16, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Which, by the way, if you feel like your doubts are too big and God can't correct them, these are people who had seen Jesus die and then rise again, and they're still like, eh, I don't know. I'm not sure about this. So don't feel like your doubts are too big for Jesus. Some of them doubted. Verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you see how simple that is? how clear that is. There's no guesswork on that. Jesus' final commands, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey what I commanded you to do. That's it. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. It's pretty clear. It's pretty knowable. Of course, we can add nuance. Of course, there can be some complexities to it. But man, at its core, that's what it is. And shame on us. Shame on the church for all the times we have tried to overcomplicate the simplicity of Jesus. For the times we've added to what Jesus has said or subtracted from what Jesus has said or overemphasized or underemphasized what Jesus has said when it's so undeniably simple and clear. Because it is. You know, the, uh, the consultants that we've worked with, as we were starting this building process, one of the things that we asked them were like, so how do we do it? As we're letting you know what we think we need at a facility, do we have like a town hall and like poll people? Do we get committees together? How do we do this? They kind of start laughing. They're like, that's literally the worst thing you could do. <laughs> like, that is the worst thing you could do. Like, no to town halls. No to, just please don't do those things. Like, this is why. If you do that, the more chefs in the kitchen, the worse the final product is going to be. It just is. Because you're going to try to be all things to all people, and you'll take something that, honestly, we just want simple. Just give us what is simply cornerstone. What are the the main things that you guys do? Simple, simple, simple. Because we promise you this. If you give us simple, we'll be able to build you something that's beautiful, that fits your needs so well, and like 100% of people are going to love. But if you overcomplicate this thing, if you start you know, getting every single opinion under the sun, and oh, we should do this, oh, and this, and this, and this, and this, and we start adding all this stuff, what your building's going to be, it's going to be a muddled mess. And you're going to have things so sectioned off and so partioned off to make this person happy and this person and this group and this group that before you know it, the the building's going to make nobody happy because it's going to try to be all things to all people and they just can't be. Don't you know the same thing happens with faith all the time? Guys, it's so simple. Like, it is, it is so unbelievably simple, and we make it so, so confusing. I mean, churches, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, how there's beliefs that are essential 
to being a Christian, and then ones that are non-essential, that we can have some disagreements on. And so on the essentials, unity. And on the non-essentials, charity. We just try to believe the best about each other. But then there's whole groups of Christians who, who will be like, you talk to them long enough and you start to realize everything's essential. <laughs> Every belief is essential. Every doctrine is essential. Everything, everything, everything. And people on the outside or people who are new to, new to the faith are like, what? Like it's all essential unless I believe just like you do, every single bit of this laundry list, I'm not actually a Christian. I should be cast from the church. I can't be a part of fellowship. Shame on us for the times that we've overcomplicated what is so unbelievably simple. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying theology is bad. I'm not saying doctrine is bad. I'm not saying Bible study is bad. You're, you're listening to a guy who has a master of arts in theology and is pursuing his masters of divinity. I, I love theology. I eat this stuff up. I love reading it. It's what I do in my spare time. I read uh, theology and doctrinal books. I, I love this kind of stuff. So no, I'm not saying it's bad to learn more about Jesus, but this is, this is the thing that's so beautiful about Jesus. Jesus is simple enough to grasp, and he's deep enough to grow. I love that about Jesus. I love that about him, that he is simple enough that the thief on the cross who has no idea about faith or religion or anything doesn't even know what he's articulating to Jesus, he's able to grasp him. He's able to grasp onto Jesus with that simplicity, the simplicity of a child. But Jesus is also deep enough that if you want to truly understand God and know God, good luck, because there's so much. It's so deep and it's so rich. And everything you, every time you think that you've learned what there is to learn, there's more. And there's more, and there's more. Jesus is simple enough to grasp, and he's deep enough to grow. Not only is he deep enough to grow, he's deep enough for our differences. He's deep enough for your doubts. I, I try to be the best dad I can be. And one of the things that I want my kids to know about me, Eden, Evelyn, and Griffin, what, that, what I want them to know is that their dad's love and grace and mercy and truth for them is deeper than they could ever imagine. I, I want my kids to know they will never come to me with a doubt, with a question, with a sin, with a mistake, with a fear, with an anxiety, with a stress that will be too much for me to handle. That they're gonna come to me and I'm gonna go, too big for me, I don't wanna, don't tell me that. It's gonna change the way I feel about you. It's gonna change the way I look at you. It's gonna change the way that we have relationship with each other. So no, 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 that's, take it to somebody else. Too deep for me. I want my kids to know and to be so unbelievably aware that no matter what they bring to dad, I'm deeper than it. <laughs> There's never going to be anything that hits the bottom of my love for them, of my grace for them, of my truth for them, of, of my love, of the way that I care about them. And if I'm that way, my goodness, how much more is God that way for all of us? He is deep enough. He's deep enough for our doubts, for our questions, for our anxieties. Jesus is simple enough to grasp, and he is deep enough to grow. Now, what I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for our church because we're a church that gets that. We're a church that gets that. And there are so many wonderful churches out there that get that. Aren't you thankful you're part of a church like that? I am. I thank God every day that my kids are being raised in a church that understands this to be true. That's a legacy that we have and that we're going to continue to build on. So that's who we are. And here's my, um, here's my challenge. This is what I want to say in the last few minutes together. If you are someone who has deconstructed, if, if you're someone who the faith that you knew, you found out it wasn't true, that it was built on a shaky foundation, and maybe it started to topple because of what you've read in Scripture, 
right? You, you're reading the, the law and the prophets. You read the Old Testament. And you're like, yee, I can't, I can't reconcile this stuff. And your faith started to waver and fall. Or maybe you are someone who was church hurt. It was people in church who claimed the name of Christ, who drove you away from faith, from the way that they treated you. And now your faith is just down to the studs. Like it feels like there is barely anything left. If that is you, I want to encourage you today, don't stop at your doubt. Rebuild your faith. Rebuild it on the only solid, clear, knowable foundation there is, Jesus Christ. And here's what will happen, I promise. Even the things that may have driven you away from faith, the things that you hated about faith, what pushed you to lose faith, if you start to build on Jesus, what pushed you to lose faith can actually transform into something you love about faith. That's what Jesus can do. The very things like scripture and church people, the things that you were like, if I could just get Jesus without church people, sign me up, right? If I, if I could get Jesus, but just get rid of some of the stuff in the Old Testament that's hard for me to reconcile, that'd be great, but I, I can't do it. If, if that's you, I want to tell you, just start building your life on Jesus and those things that you thought were so unreconcilable, scripture, church people, you'll start to see that you love them. You'll start to grow in appreciation for them. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. This is in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. He says, together we are God's house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. We are God's house built on the foundation of Scripture, built on the foundation of God's Word. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. And we, church people, <laughs> Jesus' church, and we are carefully joined together in him becoming a holy temple for the Lord. You see, I would wager that many of us, one of the reasons that scripture not lining up with what we thought, the reason it rocks us so much, or the reason that church hurt rocks us so much, is because we made those things our foundation instead of Jesus. They were never meant to be the foundation of your faith. They can't bear that weight. They're gonna crumble and you're going to get hurt in the process. And that's exactly what's happened to so many of you. Again, scripture says it. The cornerstone, the chief cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Nothing else, not even scripture. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Why is that so important? Listen, this is the actual definition uh, in architecture of what a cornerstone is. A cornerstone is the first stone that must be laid in foundation. The first stone that's laid in foundation and all other stones that will be laid are laid in reference to the cornerstone. So all these other things that are a part of our faith, church people, our, our, our church community, scripture, all these other things, they are woven in beautifully to our faith when they're not the cornerstone. That's why we build on Jesus. And so these things that you used to hate, I can tell you there are people in this room today who used to say, I can't stand church people. If it wasn't for church people, I would have been a Christian a long time ago, but I've been so hurt. And now, because they've rebuilt their faith on Jesus and Jesus alone, their best friends are church people. The ones that they turn to when they're going through crisis are church people. There are people in this room who are like, man, if I was able to just get the New Testament like, and just you know, cut off the Old Testament... I probably would have been Christian a long time ago because I just can't reconcile that stuff. And there are people who have said that in this very room who now, who today, 
They are doing read the Bible in a year plans, and they love the Old Testament. They're reading through it, and they see Jesus everywhere. They're like, man, this is a signpost pointing to Jesus. This is another example of where we can see God and God's peeking through. The same thing can happen with you. The very things that were doubts and that caused you to stumble in your faith can become things that you love, things that are a core part of your faith whenever you rebuild where you are supposed to rebuild on Jesus and on Jesus alone. Now, what I am so excited about today is that we have some people who are publicly making the declaration that they are building their life on Jesus and on nothing else. We have some baptisms we're going to celebrate today. Can we give it up for some people who are getting baptized? I'm going to ask all of our people who are being baptized if they would go ahead and make your way up to the stage. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.